No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Club Wealth TV. Today we have no Michael Hellickson. He's getting on in a few seconds, but we do have the absolutely amazing Brian Curtis. If you guys have not uh, heard, today we're talking about team building. There is Michael. Welcome. Welcome all the other women. You got Rick with you, too. Are those gold records? Like, are you? I didn't realize you had like gold record labels. Did you have the Graceland line? I didn't realize you were in a mega suite with Texas. Dude, I'm at Rick Reyes' house. This is the Reyes' house, baby. What's up, Rick? Rick on the wall. Dude, this place is off the charts. I love it. I feel like I'm in like the best hotel in the world here. When you make Rick Reyes money, man, you can have palaces. (laughs) That's right. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Dude, we had dinner here last night. It was great. So let's do this. We got uh, people logging on, and I need to pull up my uh, Facebook here real quick so I can start seeing exactly how many uh, questions we got. And I want to be able to answer people's questions live. But uh, go ahead, and Brian and Mike, would you guys introduce yourselves real quick? Sure. Um, Brian Curtis and my home base is in Bentonville, Arkansas. Um, I have a team here. We have about 13 people on it now. I've been in business now for close to 15 years and I've been a club wealth coach uh, for about a year and a half. I'm pretty excited about uh, all the opportunities and also uh, we I head up club wealth expansion services. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I love it. <laughs> That's a heck of a nutshell, buddy. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, <laughs> my name is Mike Bjorkman. I'm in Santa Clarita, California, just north of Los Angeles. Since we are live on my personal feed, this might be weird for some of our uh, clients and friends and sphere of influence. So I just wanted to reach out and say hello to you guys. Um, you're going to get some good education on real estate today. So again, my name is Mike Bjorkman. I'm the co-owner of HomeSmart NCG. We have uh, three offices just north of Los Angeles, Valencia, California, Northridge, and Westlake. And uh, I also own California Leasing, uh, co-owned California Leasing, a very large property management company, uh, Iron Oak Escrow, um, several other companies in um, info marketing companies, that kind of thing. And so that's really about me. I've been in the business about 25 years. I got just under 10 people on my team for real estate and got 10 on the uh, management side as well. So we got a good sized team and we're looking forward to building our expansion teams this year. And uh, hopefully we can touch bases on a little bit of that and uh, give some good education across the country. So welcome everybody to Club Wealth TV. I love it. All right. So I also want to have make sure Rick Rannis gets a chance to introduce himself. So Rick. Hey, my name is Rick Rainis. I'm in the Woodlands, Texas, uh, uh, with all the great coaching from uh, Michael's group and Brian, our, our, our personal coach. We've got three buyer's agents, a listing specialist. We just hired a new transaction coordinator. And so we're looking to also follow the expansion models and, uh, and blow it out of the water. So look forward to the day. I love it. All right. So here's the thing, guys. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Michael Hellickson. Uh, I'm one of the coaches here at Club Wealth, and uh, I'm the guy that gets to uh, interact on a daily basis with uh, the administrative team and really kind of run the business of the business of Club Wealth. So we do Club Wealth TV uh, live on lots of different broadcast channels. We're on Google Hangouts. We're on Facebook Live. We're on YouTube Live. 
And uh, you guys can share this, and we appreciate that when you do that. So please, if you haven't done so already, share this broadcast just by hitting the share button on your screen to any groups that you belong to that are real estate related or from your page, wherever you'd like to share it. And those of you that would like to ask questions of Mike, Brian, myself, Rick, uh, anybody that wants to ask questions of us today, make sure that you go to Michael Hellickson's Club Wealth Real Estate Coaching page so that we can... Uh, answer your questions live. So, guys, let's talk about this first. Uh, actually, Brian, did you want to get us kicked off in terms of the topic and what we're going to be talking about today? Well, Mike and I've already kind of touched on that, but we'll, we'll just kind of recap. So, we're looking at you know what's what are we going to do in 2017 to do team building, expansion, just stuff that comes up. Maybe a little bit of what about you know I'm hoping that people will talk about you know what's different in 2017 versus 2016. Uh, probably talk about some of the mistakes that we've made and definitely some of the successes that we had. So that's kind of the <clears throat> the idea behind the club wealth today. All right, so let's start with this. So when we got a lot of people watching that are like the Lone Ranger, and they're like, okay, I haven't even built a team yet. So how do I start building a team? What are my first steps? What are my first key hires so that I can get my, get a team started so that I can go from doing everything myself and having to chase business all the time to eventually leveraging myself with the help of others and getting to a point where I can have balance back in my life? <laughs> that is such a good question. Uh, you know, I think, Michael, the very first thing for uh, Lone Ranger real estate agents to remember is we're here to serve our clients. We're here to sell their houses uh, in the fastest amount of time possible for the highest price imaginable. And if we're agents running around, you know, photocopying and stapling and hanging up lock boxes and things like that, we're truly not serving our clients uh, the way they hired us to do, right? So, you know, if we spend an hour of a day marketing their property, nothing really going to happen. But if we can spend six to eight hours a day marketing a property, negotiating and designing uh, new and ingenious marketing for homes to uh, market, not only in our towns, but nationally and then internationally, we're doing our job. And, and eventually that's how we want to get more referrals, build the business and uh, you know succeed that way. So I, I believe the very first hire is your uh, transaction coordinator and your personal assistant. Back in 19, what was it, 1992, when I first hired my assistant, that was the deal. I was literally going and photocopying flyers and, you know, running around and doing nothing. And the second I was able to hire my very first assistant, you know, my production increased. We did sell homes faster for a lot more money. And it gave me the time to do the things that my clients really enjoyed me doing, which was getting their homes sold. Yeah, you know, I always tell people the first to hire, the, what your first goal is I want to go for, if I'm just me, Lone Ranger, I got to get to a full-time assistant and two full-time buyer's agents as quickly as possible. As soon as I can accomplish that, like you said, Mike, now I'm not doing, you know, whatever, $12, $15, $16 an hour work. Now I'm focused on $100, $200, $300 an hour work where I'm in front of clients all the time. I'm focused on those clients and I'm able to put transactions together. Then as I transition from that, right, so I'm still working with buyers and sellers both. But eventually, I want to transition away from working with buyers. I want to hire really awesome buyers agents who are very, very good at working with buyers. And I want to focus and devote 100% of my time to working with sellers. And then as I transition out of that, I can start working on the team. Brian, what are your thoughts? 
So I'm going to take a, a step back even further from where your guys, I'm, I'm going to call your first half a hire if there is such a thing. So I completely agree with everything that you guys have said. So, but what about that agent who's doing, you know, just got in the business, maybe doing 15 transactions a year, wants to get to the next step, step where they can actually afford to hire an assistant. So some of the great things that you have an opportunity to do is outsource some of this stuff. If I could go back and tell myself in 2005, you want to have somebody else, you know, for three, four or $500 a file, whatever it costs, process your transactions so that you are not sitting around doing paperwork. Like Mike said, if I'm doing paperwork, I can't market. If I'm doing paperwork, I can't lead generate. If I'm doing paperwork, there's so many things that I can't do. And the reality is 90% of us are really bad at it. This is not the person who's a good real estate agent who's out there who can talk to people, their personality type. They're probably not the person who's going to do the best job for the person as a as a you know paperwork guy, so I think that that's a great half a hire. Um, but I did, I completely follow up with Mike said though the very first hire that I would that I would make is your personal assistant slash transaction coordinator. So if I were to go back and look at when I did actually did that full time hire, that person was my transaction coordinator, but they also got to deal with all my other projects. Hey, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to put this together because a good transaction coordinator can handle about thirty five files at a time, which means if you're doing 15 files right now at any given point in time, 10 files, there's plenty of opportunities for that person to have some overlap. And one of the things that I love about that person is then when you hire the next person, maybe your first person stays your transition transaction coordinator. Maybe your first person becomes your executive assistant, but someone who you can really learn to trust. And that, uh, did the made my business grow 10 times more than I ever thought it could. And I love John Maxwell when he says this is if there's something that somebody else on your team can do 80% as well as you, you absolutely have to let them do it. And if you don't <laughs> let people do those things, you will not grow. And it's frustrating. It's scary. If I were to go back and look before we hired our first person, the biggest fear I had was that I wasn't going to be able to pay them. The reality was after I hired them, I made twice as much money almost instantly. So uh, don't be afraid to hire and, you know, just go out there and do it. It's, it's a challenge, but it's definitely so important to your business if you want it to expand. Yeah. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, no, uh, Brian, I'm saying that's absolutely true. And kind of following up with a lot of things that you're talking about, for me, it was about having to go out and do the things that we really enjoy doing, and that's getting involved in the community, being, being more active in the things that I personally enjoy doing. Having the, uh, the, the administrative assistant with the transaction coordinator role taken care of, I, it was a huge freeing moment for us. So it gave us the opportunity to really dive in to what our clients really expected, and that's part of our time, and we could benefit greatly from having that first executive administrator or the transaction coordinator role, and it's, it's, it's life yeah. I can tell you when I hired Tara, this is so my first assistant. Becoming <laughs> my wife, right? And four years later, that's when I went to work for her. But um, you know, when I first hired her, I was scared to death. I was going to have to commit to paying her more money than I had ever made in a year to that point. I had no idea how I was going to do it. And to, to Brian's point, literally, the, the within three months of hiring her, I had closed as many transactions as I closed the entire year before. It was insane. So don't be afraid to go out and hire that assistant. Now, for those of you that are coaching with Club Wealth, make sure you check with your Club Wealth coach first. We don't we don't want to see you going into debt for this kind of stuff. Make sure you ask your coach because they know your business. They know where you're at in your life. 
and they know where you're at financially, ask them, is it time for me to hire an assistant? If they say yes, then fearlessly go do it and follow the Trello card. As you guys know, we have a Trello card or a system for exactly what ads to post, what to, you know, what to say in the ads, where to post the ads, how to make the right hire. That's, that's, that's what's really, really most important is the process of the right hire. Are you going to ask the right questions to make sure that that person is going to blend in with with, with your program, are they going to be able to accept the responsibility and ask deep questions about what their past experiences were like? What did it look like for them? How do they like to be applauded? How do they, how do they handle criticism? Those are the types of questions that are, you'll really discover who's going to fit your program and model the best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We started talking about the interview process, and I think that's an important thing. You know, you guys know I study and train personality styles, but a simple disc test or an aptitude test is super important. You don't want to hire a, you know, a high I like me or a high D like me that there's just no way that that person and, you know, birds of a feather obviously hang out together. So my biggest problem when I first started hiring assistants was I was hiring them people that I like to hang out with, people just like me. But when it comes down to filing, photocopying, and uh, managing a database and whatnot, it's, it's <laughs> it never worked out. So I kept turning in the middle of it, I kept turning my assistants or transaction coordinators into uh, buyer's agents or listing agents on my team because I couldn't do it. But once I learned how to you know read and study disk tests, I finally figured out like, oh, okay, you know, like we have my new personal assistant, Jamisa, sitting right next to me. And when I, when I disc tested her, it was like, you know, hire her on the spot basically because she's very, you know, CNS and it was just perfect because she can sit there and beat on the keyboard, you know, all day long and still be really sweet to people on the phone and handle customer service, you know, and she has no problem running around and doing errands. Um, you know, but if you have a buyer's agent that's like that, they're gonna they're gonna sit around all day long and geek out on statistics in the MLS and not ever get out on the street. So I, I think I think the very most very first step is learn the personality styles and learn how to disc test people before you hire them. Uh, you'll save yourself a lot of headaches in the in the future if you do that. That do it that way. That being Mike, said, I'd love to piggyback. Yeah, I'd love to piggyback on that. So there's two things I do. So first of all, one of the things that I do when I'm hiring somebody is I tell them to take the disc test before they even come to the interview and send it to me. So, and if they don't do that, there's a pretty good indication I don't need to hire them. So it's a simple test. It takes 15 minutes. If you're not willing to go and do that before you come and, you know, spend 15, 30 minutes with me, that's a, that's kind of a big X against me. But I like the term and it's kind of the same thing that you said. I like sitability. So the chance of me sitting in an office for 10 hours a day without losing my mind is <laughs> And I need that person, you know, when that person comes in and they're, and they're even, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, you know, I, I need to do this. I need to do that. I don't need that. I need someone who's talking about the task that they can accomplish and where they can go and how they can help our business. And I think that's super important. And uh, I just, someone said the term sitability and I love that term because the truth of the matter is <laughs> really? I, I don't own it. You know, there's no way I'm sitting for more than about 30 minutes at a time. They laugh at me in my office as I do laps as I'm making phone calls. So that's, uh, that, that's not who I am. So anyway, that's my thoughts on that as well. Yeah, no. I agree with you 100. You know, and so here's one thing I would caution everybody on: these disc tests, they're valuable. They help you. They help us to understand who we're dealing with. Uh, one thing I would be very careful of is those. Don't use that as and it's as such an exclusionary tool that you don't hire somebody based on their disc test. Uh, there's lots of different personality types that fit in various positions, and you want to definitely have the right person in the right seat on the bus. 
but just what I guess the one thing I would say is just be careful of how you use that and how much weight you put on the disc. It is very valuable and you should have it though. So, all right, let's move on and let's talk more about uh, now we've built the team. We've hired the first assistant. And now once we've got that assistant, one of the big objections we get from agents constantly is, well, Michael, I don't want to go out and hire buyer's agents because now I'm giving them, you know, if whatever percentage you're on, let's just call it a 50-50 for now. It could be a four, you know, maybe you're only giving them 30%. Maybe you're giving them 80%. I don't know. It doesn't matter what you're giving them. But a lot of times people get hung up about, you know, well, how much am I giving them, right? And I'm giving up that money. So I'd like to hear you guys talk to you. What, what's the reality? Am I really giving up money by bringing this person on board? I'm glad you asked that because on my phone here is blowing up with not only clients and friends, but also other agents uh, with our company. <clears throat> They're asking a lot about buyer's agents. And uh, I want to I want to start by going back again and saying, you know, we're, we're in this business to get homes on the market and sell them. Um, yeah, we always want to represent buyers too. And so many of the agents at my company say, Mike, I'm really hands-on. I want to hold the hands of my buyers. I want to work with them. I want to bond with them, all that good stuff. But the reality is, you know, I'm a listing agent, but at the same time, I, I do call myself a buyer's agent because it's our job to find homes that are not on the market yet to for our buyers. It's our job to find foreclosures, short sales, default uh, homes and network with other agents because the agents have that you know hidden MLS that we always hear about and if I'm not out there talking to agents and doing the things to find homes it's not going to work so yes I want to bond and drive around with my clients but the reality is they need me working to find them that house if everybody just is using the MLS and you know and everybody thinks oh everything's on Zillow but you know over half of the homes we sell never even hit the market and that's why our buyers love us so the reality is we don't lose money we can sell buyer we can sell a lot more homes to buyers because we have a lot more homes at our disposal. So sure, we share in our fees with the with our assistants, but the reality is we can do a lot more, be a lot more efficient at it and actually have complete and clear balance in our life. We don't, you know, if we're working with three or four buyers, which which truly, if they're motivated and want to buy today, they can only work with maybe, you know, let's, let's get crazy and say a really good buyer's agent can work with 10 buyers at a time. But the reality is if you're working with 10 buyers at a time, you shouldn't list a home because you're not doing the things necessary to get that home sold. So that's why, you know, ever since I'd say the year 2000 teams have really grown and taken over the real estate platform because everybody has their job. And if everybody does their job right, things come perfectly smooth. And you know, if you're working with an agent that's driving people around in circles all day till their kids are throwing up in their car and, you know, working with two or three, it just doesn't work that way. There's no way you can possibly represent a buyer to the to your fullest unless you have help, unless you're doing the right thing. So uh, the very next thing after that assistant is a buyer's assistant because we need to be on the streets all day, every day, previewing property and making sure we're finding the right homes for our buyers. And if we're showing homes that we've seen three, four times and we all know about, we're, we're not doing our buyers any favors so that's when you know it's time for your buyer's assistant well, I, you know, I think Rick makes a very good point and you know it's the, the, the your point about the buyer's agents and how what kind of sense they can do well I mean when you're when you're solely focused on one particular client it the, the advantage is is that you're really you're giving them the attention that they desire and and buyers want full attention they love it when you shower them with opportunity and conversation because they're 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 sponges they're absorbing whatever you're giving them and trying to, to devote time to both sides, listing and buy, you're, you're actually shortchanging your opportunities because then your, then your referral opportunities decrease. 
Um, the, the more impressions that you can give a, a particular client, the more opportunity they're going to have to be able to say, those guys crushed it, and I'd highly recommend them, and, and you get a lot more referrals that way. Well, and, and, and you're not losing anything. And that's really, not only are you giving them better service like Rick's talking about, you're really enhancing that, that customer experience. But the other thing is that, you know, that this mindset of if I hand a buyer off to a buyer's agent, then I'm giving up part of my commission. I just think that's absurd because what you're doing is you're handing off something so that you can go focus on the bigger picture and bringing in a lot more business. Your job as a team leader is to be the rainmaker. Your job is to make it rain. you got all these buyer's agents, and even eventually you'll have listing agents running around catching that rain in buckets, but you just cannot possibly do it all. So in the short term, this is the hard part, and this is a difficult transition for a lot of agents. When they first hire those first two buyer's agents, they have trouble with cash flow, or sometimes they can experience a little trouble in cash flow just briefly. So what I would suggest is as you hire those first couple of buyer's agents, if you want to cherry pick the best leads out of there and you want to go ahead and continue to work with the very best uh, of your leads, that's okay. They're your leads. You paid for them. You brought them in. Go ahead and cherry pick. But what I would make sure I'm doing is make sure I'm feeding those buyer's agents with enough leads to keep them busy. Ideally, in most markets, I want to be feeding with between 40 and 55 leads per month. Um, so making sure that they have enough to keep them busy is important because they're also going to have to build their pipeline and it's going to take time. If you're doing online lead gen, it could take them six months before they start really closing any number of transactions. Brian, what are your thoughts? So I'm going to piggyback on basically what both of you guys said. So first of all, the biggest limitation in my business um, before I had other people in it was always me. And I guess even today, the biggest limitation in my business will always be me. So most people get to the point and they don't realize it that they probably have too many leads. You know, um, they have too many leads that they're coming in. And, those, and I'm sure there's people on the line going, I'm looking forward to having the day of having too many leads and having that be a problem. But it is. When I hired my first buyer's agent and I didn't even realize it, I had about triple the number of leads that I needed. And I didn't know it until I started handing them off to him. And what happens is your world gets better. And what I mean by that is at the end of the day, you know, I love to be 25 years old again and have unlimited amounts of energy, but I don't. I mean, that's the reality by six o'clock at night, I've worked for 12 hours and I'm wiped out. So the idea of me going and showing houses for another couple hours, although I would still do it if I had to today, it, it just doesn't make good sense. It makes more sense to find other people. And here's the thing, we can grow and grow and grow. So I hire two buyer's agents to be me. And that's really what I like to to look at it as if I hire two buyers agents and give them enough leads, they're going to produce as much as I am. Because here's the other thing that happens. I'm not good with buyers anymore. I'm sure I, if I had to go show a buyer a house today, I would do a good job. I'm not saying that, but it's not what I do. I'm, I work with I work with sellers. I lead our team. I train. These are the my main functions. Comes back to kind of the idea of you know what are you good at? What's your one thing? And very few people are good with buyers, sellers, transactions, and all the different parts of our business. That's why I mean my favorite script when I'm sitting with somebody who doesn't like the team is when's the last time you were at the doctor? So the last time I was at the doctor, did the doctor check you in? And if the doctor does check you in, I can tell you right now I'm walking out the door because that scares the heck out of me. But in real estate, we're willing to say, okay, Brian, you should be good at paperwork. By the way, you should be great great negotiating this. You should be good with buyers. You should be good with sellers. You should be good with marketing. You should do all this stuff. Who is that guy? I don't know that I've met the person that's really good at all those things. And, you know, one of the things that we can do as we build that team is I, I, I tell people that, look, guys, this is not my strength. 
my strength is not going out and showing a house. My strength is marketing your house or my strength is helping, helping other people be good at it, whatever the situation is. But it's so important to let people know that we did real estate in an antiquated way until about five, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago when teams came about. It's almost a ridiculous way to run a business. And it's kind of funny that it's taken this long for teams to become a, a, prevalent, a prevalent thing in our business. I don't think it's almost a better, you know, absurd. I think it's absolutely absurd that we were doing business that way back in the day. I mean, think about it. I want specialists. I, I, you know, I don't want a brain surgeon working in my heart. I don't want a heart surgeon working on my brain. They're both important. They're both, they both bring value. They're both very intelligent. But I want the person who specializes in my problem fixing my problem. <laughs> anyway, long story short, here's the thing. Guys, segmenting that workflow, having people that are on your team that specialize in working with buyers versus the ones that do where they work with buyers and they work with sellers, that's a big deal. And it really makes a difference, not only for your business, but frankly, it makes a big difference in the customer experience. And that's important because a customer's deserve, like, I'll give you an example, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, right? So I got John Smith and his, John and Susie Smith, they want to sell their home. What they need and want in the person that's selling their home is very different than the person that's going to help them buy a home. The person that's going to help them sell their home, they want someone that's going to come in, take charge, and get it done. When it comes to the person that's helping them buy a home, more emotion. They want that's right. They want more emotion. They want patience. They want somebody who's going to love them through the process, nurture them, guide them. It's a very different personality type. Yeah, the listing the listing specialist is going. Come on, make a decision. Make a decision. Decision. And it, and, it, and it just slows the process down. That's right, because they're all high D, right? Whereas a buyer's agent, they're going to be you know, more of a, right. of a high I. They're going to be, you know, let's make sure everybody's happy. Let's make sure everybody's getting along. That's like a, the difference between Luigi Caprio and me, right? Like, <laughs> I'm going to death put you in that house. I'll, if I had to sell buyer houses, dude, I'd wear them out. I, I would have to slit my wrist and somewhere through that transaction because I just can't be that patient. So, all right, good stuff. So, anything hey, else? Hey, Michael. Yeah, I'd right. like to add something else. Yeah. So one of the other things that we talk about is, and this is the thing I've seen as we've coached people over the last couple of years to start building teams. One of the other big things I've seen is I don't know how to do it. And what means what I mean by I don't know how to do it is how do I figure out who gets what lead? How do I figure out who gets what? I can tell you the number one thing that made it easier for me to build a team was just ha simply having a good CRM. A CRM that when a lead comes into it, it can automatically um, give that lead out. So I told somebody the other day, I said, I don't want the job of lead giver outer guy. That's a poor paying job. So, and I think so many people over and over again don't know how to do that. You know, so there's multiple CRMs out there today that the lead comes into, gets distributed to the agent. And me as a team leader, I don't even know about it. I told somebody the other day that we had a bunch of closings and I don't, I've never met any of those people. I don't know their names. Really, the only reason I know the closing address is because it's on my spreadsheet. That's not my job anymore. So it's really important to have a system that you can put in place. And the CRM is kind of where that starts. Yeah, I agree. And so, and by the way, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares or we don't care which CRM you have. As long as you use it, <laughs> Seriously, Absolutely. you got to just freaking use the thing. And that's the problem is so many people get caught up and I've got to have this technology and that technology. And you're, you're just so worried about having everything perfect. Just freaking use the stuff. Just get something in place and get going. Uh, now, here's something else I want to talk about with the buyer's agents, because this is important. And, and people, sometimes people get offended at this analogy, but please don't just understand what and take it for what it is. Uh, I always want to have two pigs at the trough, right? Sure. So, and the analogy is, 
with a farmer, for example, if you have one pig, that pig will eat the food and it'll get heavier and be able to harvest eventually. But if I have two pigs at the same trough, they compete for the food and they both get fatter faster. So think about this in terms of your teams. They become stronger because they're that's, fighting for it. That's true too. That's exactly right. And so they'll also eat more, right? So if, when you think about your buyer's agents, what I don't want to do is I don't want to just have one buyer's agent. Because if I have one buyer, they, they can get away with more. They, they, they aren't as motivated. They don't have anybody pushing them. They're not competing with anybody for that success. Whereas when I hire two buyer's agents, then this one sees what that one's doing. They both get excited. They both get motivated. They both do more transactions. It's good for everybody on the team. So please, when you're hiring your first buyer's agent, hire two. At least two right off the bat. Mike, right. you know, uh, I'd love to jump in right there because what you said is actually very true. So you know my team. I have uh, Nancy and Johnny, and they're they're both fabulous agents, different people, different personalities. Uh, but unbeknownst to me, they actually went out and made a deal with themselves. They said, we're going to have a bet. And it's kind of a funny bet. They said, if, if you don't do 50 transactions this year, you have to go publicly on Facebook and say that, uh, the other agent is a better agent, whatever. It was funny. So I said, whatever. I, you Either one of you guys get to 50 transactions this year. I'm going to bonus you five grand each. So with that, with that, the last couple of weeks, uh, one of our newer buyer's agents, he came on board and he heard about that bet. And he goes, I want to get on that bet. So now we have three people competing within our own team, friendly competition. But look, they've been in here humping it every day on the phones and their offices, and they're very serious about it. And I bet you if I just had one of them, eh, you know, I'm sure they'd work hard. But, you know, this inner office competition is always good. So I absolutely believe that. The other thing I want to do, well, it's a couple of questions on my phone, actually. The other thing I wanted to point out with is um, Lisa here, she's in Arizona. She says, hey, Mike, what do you think about having a buyer's agent for people you don't know? And I still work with my buyers. And I think that's a great idea. Uh, Michael, you said it's okay to cherry pick the buyers. And and when I think of cherry pick, I think of clients that are really good, my A clients. You know, they're bought and sold with me and I enjoy spending time with them. They understand how my process works. I'm going to go out and see, you know, 20 homes for you. I'm going to narrow down down to three and ask you to buy one where they get that. They understand the way I work and they trust, know, like, and trust me. And then the, the leads that come in off signs and, and whatnot, if they don't want to buy the home they've called on, sure. I think a buyer's agent is absolutely fantastic to go ahead and let them work with the strangers. And that's a great way to start. Does that make sense? It does. We're getting a thing on real quick. I think that's Mike. I'm not sure. Actually, Rick, I think it's you. I think it's Rick. Rick joined in. Yeah, there we go. All right, we just moved really him out there. Sorry about that, Rick. All right, so here's the thing. Bottom line, I love the the bonus thing. I, I think that's great. In fact, it's funny. I see that Sandy's like, uh, Sandy gets sides and saying, man, wouldn't it be great to be a big dog roller like Mike Bjorkman and be able to bonus my buyer's agent's five thousand dollars? I think that's awesome. And there yes, I think it would be awesome. So uh, Deborah David's asking, what structure do you suggest paying a buyer's agent on? So let's start with this. I'm going to say. 100% commission. So now there's lots of different <laughs> You get to the point like where Brian's at with a lot of our expansion teams. One of the things that Brian's doing and a lot of other big agents across the country are starting to implement now are they're bringing on ISAs as an entry-level position, as a transitional position to becoming a buyer's agent. So they'll bring somebody else. Let's say you've got Joe Blow on the street, wants to be a buyer's agent on your team. What you say to him is, hey, look, I love that you want to be a buyer's agent, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you be an ISA or an inside sales agent first. And so I'm going to pay you minimum wage just so that you've got a little bit of cash just to survive, right? So I'm just going to give you minimum wage just to kind of take the sting out of it. 
and I'll give you a little bit of commission on top of that. But then your goal is in six months, you want to transition into being a full-time buyer's agent. And that's a full 100% commission position. Yep. So, Brian, you did thoughts on that? Sure. Multiple different ways to do compensation. I do agree that we are in a commission-based industry. So I'm not, I know there are people who are paying salaries. That seems insane to me. It seems like a nightmare. So I stay away from that completely. But I'm going to guess that one of the, what maybe the question they were looking for is what's the split? Because that's what every person I talk to asks me, what's the split? What's the split? What's the split? So I actually offer two different split systems on my team. So you can be on a straight 50-50, whether you do one deal a month or 10 deals a month, you get 50-50. So I also put together a tiered system. And what I love about the tiered system is in month one, your your commission for next month is based on your performance for this month. So in other words, on my team, if for example, if you did five transactions this month, you would actually get 55% commission in February on your February transactions. So the reason I did it on the following month was instead of doing it the current month, I think it keeps people from being on the roller coaster. Because if I'm, if I'm on a higher commission split in the next month, I'm motivated to do well that month because I get literally get bonus on every single transaction I do. Whereas if you have a good month and you get a bonus on that transaction, now I'm fat. Now I can go and wait a couple months. I don't have to do any transactions for a while. And I know that that's not what people logically think, but I also know that that's what reality happens in, in the straight commission world. So, you know, my commission's always based on the future. So it works out really well. We get some agents who are really motivated simply because, hey, I can be up on my team. You can get as high as 60%. So, and I like that structure. I used to do that on our team too. I did it a little different. You took it to the next level. I like the way you're doing that, Brian, because I think it provides incentive for them to, Hey, look, I want to, I want to do that much better this month because I know that that's going to set me up in subsequent months to have a higher commission split on my team. And by the way, you guys, every market is different, right? Every team is different. Every team has different value that they provide their agents. Some teams bring tons and tons of value. Some teams, let's call it what it is. Some teams don't bring a lot of value to their yeah. buyers agents. No, not at all. Um, in fact, we just encountered one here in Houston mm -hmm. uh, that's literally, they're not even providing their agents with any leads whatsoever. It's, and, and, not, and it's not just about leads that, that need to be provided, but they're providing virtually no value for teams in their, in their, uh, in their team. So their splits with their agents are a lot higher to the agent, um, or they should be anyway. That being said, I don't want you guys to get hung up on what that amount needs to be. What you really need to do, if you're in coaching with Club Wealth, you need to have that conversation with the Club Wealth coach and ask them, based on what I'm providing my team, based on the expectations, based on my marketplace, based on all the factors surrounding it, what kind of splits should I be offering my buyer's agents and, my, and eventually my listing agents? Bjorkman? Yeah, can you hear me? I know yes, Brandon sir. was playing with the auto level. You know, I think I think there there definitely should be some sort of a bonus on you know after your third, after your fifth, uh, or even if you bring in the leads. I, I think that's a really good way to structure that. Um, but at the same time, when you're feeding and feeding and feeding the leads, and I, I think it's I think it's nice to well, you know, we use different CRMs that are that have capabilities of giving two to one, three to one, four to one, and bonus them out that way. So if somebody's wait, doing wait, wait, wait. hold on, hold on, hold on, Mike, stop right there. So what you're saying, you're talking about the round robin. So explain that. 
So we, we might bring in 50 leads a day. And let's say I have a six buyers agent on the round robin today. So if a lead comes in from Google or realtor.com, it's going to say, okay, you get one, then you get one, then you get one. Um, but the way we work in our office is if we have an agent working harder than the next, showing up, making their calls uh, in town and, you know, really passionate about the business today, we'll set the, both of those CRMs up to say, okay, this person's going to get one to, you know, two to everyone that this one gets, or this one might get three to this one gets one. And so our best buyer's agent might get three in a row before it goes on to the next person. And okay, that's how we, that's how we provide uh, kind of. All right. So I want to ask you about that though, because I think that's important, Mike. So, because a lot of people think, Oh, I've got to give everybody the same number of leads. I've got to be fair to everybody. And I think Mike, I think you and Rick and Brian and I, I would say that we probably all agree on this, that look, there is no such thing as fair, right? Like if you want fair, yeah, it's a meritocracy. Like you get what you get, like you eat what you kill, go out and work for it. And if you're better, you close better. If you're working harder, you're on top of your leads faster and more tenaciously, I'll give you more leads. But if you're that guy that rarely shows up on our team huddles in the morning or you're not following up with your leads, dude, you're on your own. Go figure it out. I mean, what do you think? No, I think it's very important to be able to do that because just like you're structuring different percentage levels of where the leads are, it's based on the, per- the performance of the individual agent. You know, the, 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 the path to mastery is really about making sure that you're accomplishing the tasks, you're doing the follow-up, and then the more you're in the repetition, the better you become at it, which means you can close more deals. So it's all about just getting better and better and better every single day, and, you get, and you get, you'll get more opportunity. Yeah, good stuff. So there's... There's other ways to do that as well. So I don't know um, what systems everybody's using, but I have two phone systems. One's a 1-800 number, and then I also have one that's just a, a local number for different things. But what we've got both of those incoming calls set up on is a simultaneous ring. And what I mean by that is if somebody calls in on that number, it rings to eight phones simultaneously. Whoever happens to pick it up first is the person that gets that lead. And one of the things that's helped with that is over time, what I've noticed is that we get significantly higher answer rate because I don't know about you guys, but to me, there is literally nothing better than an incoming call. So we do so much outgoing with internet leads today. Um, if you can get an incoming phone call, that's gold. So I want to see them answered basically between eight in the morning and eight at night. I want to see those answered hundred percent of the time. We haven't achieved that yet, but I think we're getting closer to it. And the reality is, let's face it, they have, you have an incoming call. They don't answer that phone. They're not going to call you back in five minutes. They're calling the next guy. So to me, our goal is 100% answer from eight to eight. All right. Now, you, as soon as you start talking lead follow-up, I have to jump in. Tristan Ahamada, shout out to our friend Tristan Ahamada at Lab Code Agents. I get to coach Tristan. Thank you for letting me be a part of your world, brother. You're awesome. Uh, I want to share what one of the things that he's doing with lead follow-up that's wicked awesome, and it's super simple, and it's really very impactful. When he gets an internet lead that comes in, he's got uh, – you know he, he makes the phone call, sends an email, sends a text message, all that. What's really cool about what he's doing with follow-up that's working very, very well is on those leads that don't, that he doesn't get a hold of in the first, you know, 45 minutes or that don't respond to him. He sends a simple text message 45 minutes later. And here's what it says. Let me know dot, dot, dot. 
That's it. Just let me know, dot, dot, dot. And man, the response that he gets on that text message is insane. We had a couple of people. In fact, Mike, uh, I think uh, Tammy was one of them. You know, somebody on your team just the other day, Tammy, I taught Tammy this on our coaching call. And then Tammy taught your team. And one of your buyer's agents tested this out. And the, literally that day, they got response from leads they hadn't been able to get response from before. Yeah, no, absolutely. We actually had a property and and I'll I'll be honest, it's kind of a little rural property, a little more difficult to find. And we spend a junk ton of money advertising our properties, obviously. And the, the, the CRM actually texted and said, Hey, are you available to see the property? And she replied back right away. Yeah. Feel free to call me at any time. Uh, Johnny went out to the property, met her, and we got that property in escrow that day. So one of the things also I found out recently is I had our uh, one of our CRMs set up a little bit wrong. So it was texting me and not the uh, buyer's agent. So what was happening is I'm having these text conversations with buyers and sellers. I love doing that. It's easy and I can do it you know, from anywhere at dinner or whatever. It doesn't matter. I can just start having these text conversations. And I started noticing the, the rate of return coming in super, super high. And I was able to actually hand them back off uh, via text once once they were committed to uh, setting an appointment. So the last the last couple of weeks has been amazing, and I, I've watched text messaging over the last several years. It kind of goes in these waves, you know, where texting is really important than it really wasn't. You know, I, I don't know what the deal is, but. You know, when you talk to thousands of people a week, you notice that the society as a whole has these trends. And right now, texting is back in full swing. And, and it might even be seasonal. Everybody's back and they're, they're working at their goals for January and they, they don't want to answer their phones and their emails as fast. But boy, texting is still right now. This week has been the most, uh, you know, most intense way of communicating with clients. Uh, the agents are doing it more. The, the, Potential sellers are doing it more, um, which is which is amazing to me. And so we're investing and looking in some other programs that are way more advanced with text messaging. So I think uh, I think that sort of follow up is important. And you know we got to adopt all these different platforms that'll actually work because these people are talking to four or five agents at a time sometimes. So, so Mike, quick question for you: Do you find the the solution is the platform or the person? The it's the platform, obviously, because I didn't even know our platform had the ability to do what it was doing. It was automatically sending out, you know, awesome Tristan text messages like that. You know, it's just like, oh, do you have time to see that house tomorrow? And I, I'm like, I didn't send that, but there it was on my phone. And I'm, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, cool. And then they're like, yeah, what time is two two o'clock? Okay. I'm like, all right, time to pass it off. And I was able to, you know, to, to assign that to the right agent. So I thought that was pretty cool. The which the, the platform obviously is important in what you say too. You don't you, you can't just sound like a cheesy person on that. Yeah, I agree. You, you, it needs to sound right. Like it can't come if you have the wrong platform, it'll send a message that is that's incongruent with where you're at in the conversation, and can sound like something automated because it's completely out of context. Now, uh, what I'd like Natasha to do, Natasha, if you're listening, if you could do me a favor uh, and put in our link, one of the the platforms that a lot of us are using uh, that's working very, very well is Commissions Inc. And we have a a link that will take you to Commissions Inc. and get you a discount on that. Um, But that is one of the platforms that will do drip text campaigns and all kinds of other cool stuff. Uh, in fact, for expired campaigns, we're going to be talking about this at Listing Agent Bootcamp. If you haven't already signed up, by the way, you need to be right here at Listing Agent Bootcamp. This thing is going to be off the charts. Uh, but uh, Derek Jackson is using Commissions, Inc. 
to take expired listings. He's uploading the expired listings into Commissions Inc. And he's uh, putting them on an automatic drip campaign uh, with text and email and phone. And then he's also making phone calls. In two days, he sent 18 listing appointments with this campaign. And he had 56 inbound messages that last I talked to him. He had 56 inbound messages he hadn't even returned yet. Um, so he's going to send a lot more. That being said, the technology is very important. Yeah, Derek Action Jackson, right, Sandy? I love it. Um, and so some of the other technology that Mike is kind of alluding to, there's two of the platforms, and Brian knows more about both of these than any of us. Uh, so, Brian, could you talk about um, Get Riley Now and about, um, and about Call Action? Tell us a little bit about those. Sure. So um, – Get Riley now. Basically what it is, I refer to it as a text ISA. So let me preface this with be careful not to be lazy. And what I mean by that is you get a lead that comes in, Riley starts texting with them probably 30 to 40 seconds after that lead comes in. Much better to call them every single time. So that's one of the things that I've really cautioned my team on. We use Get Riley and it comes in, we get a text message and it says, so you were looking at the house on 123 Main Street, you know, do you have some availability to talk? Uh, something along those lines. And then oddly enough, the let me know message, if they don't respond within 10 minutes, they say it sends out the text message says, let me know, dot, dot, dot. So the beauty of Riley is first of all, it works 24 hours a day. And then second of all, it, it can help you. So I don't, I don't want my agents, if I'm showing, if my agents are showing a house, I don't want them to stop and say, there's a more important person that I need to talk to right now than you. So Riley will take on that conversation. The other thing that's really cool about Riley that I love is if Riley starts that conversation and you can see where it's going and now you're available, you can claim it. So right in the middle of that conversation, you can take over. They don't even know. You hit claim and then you go through and say, okay, great. You know, when would be a good time for us to go look at the house? Or great, I'll send you some listings along those lines and follow up with you later today. Whatever that, you know, the appropriate response is. But Riley helps you do stuff that you can't do. We set, a te we set an appointment um, the other day at one o'clock in the morning. The message went with, are you available to talk right now at 1 a.m. and the person was like, no, not at 1 a.m., but if you want to call me at 10 a.m., that would be great. So, you know, uh, sometimes it's going to make people angry to contact them at 1 o'clock in the morning, but they were a lead at 1 o'clock in the morning, so uh, it works out pretty cool. Call Action does a lot of cool stuff, too. So, as a matter of fact, Call Action is what I use on every single one of my signs. We also use it on Craigslist. There's an open house um, procedure that we do with it. And what it does, it that's where we're using, as somebody on my team coined it, jump balls. So any lead that comes in from Zillow, Truly, Realtor.com, a sign call Craigslist goes through Call Action. And then Call Action round rob um, rings everybody's phone simultaneously, and whoever the per first person to pick it up is, they get that phone call. And I love that. Also, if for whatever reason somebody can't pick up that phone call, it also sends them a text message, and it starts that conversation as well. Um, they are... Uh, it's an amazing company, and honestly, it's become my, my favorite technology of uh, 2017. We just started using it probably about two months ago. Um, you know, one of the things that I always don't like to do it with our team is Zillow leads to me are some of the best Zillow incoming leads. The way it was set up with our team, the only person who could answer them was one person, so it was me. So again, I became lead router guy, and unlike Mike, I'm not interested in being lead router guy, so I don't want to talk to anybody anymore. So I'm just kind of kidding, Mike. But the reality is, is that, you know, we were getting like three, four incoming phone calls a day, and one or two things had to happen. I either had to answer them, and then basically 
play ISA slash, you know, buyer's agent, or they went to voicemail and they didn't get answered. So call excuse me, call action has completely solved that problem for me. I don't have to answer any inbound calls and my agents are excited. They're more excited to talk to a buyer than me anyway. So two great uh, pieces of technology and we implement both of them in our business. So, and Brian, uh, thank you, Jesse. I agree with you. Brian's audio does sound awesome. So Brian, I would love to know what headset you're using. If you could uh, maybe when you get a chance, post a link to that in this, uh, in this thread, man, you're whatever headset you're using, it is really great audio. So good, hundred dollar headset. It's a jobber. I'll get the actual uh, thing, but hundred dollar headset. Love it, love it. All right, so now as you're as we're talking about all this, I still think we've got some of the folks that are a little bit younger in their business that are starting to build their teams that might be fe- a little bit worried that oh my gosh, this sounds like a lot of technology, and I've got to have everything perfect before I can go hire buyers agents. And I want to say that you guys just go hire the buyer's agents. Don't worry about having it all perfect. You'll figure it out as you go. But right now, you got to get the bodies on your team. I would suggest that the single most difficult thing that a team leader does as they grow their business and as they develop the perfect team or the best team, you know, that world-class team that they're working for, I think the biggest challenge you're going to have is recruiting. And you've got to be recruiting all the time. you got to tr- treat recruiting just like you treat prospecting. And so if, to the extent that you're successful at recruiting, you'll be successful at building a world-class team. Well, and the, the cool thing about this is, is the revolution. So the, as your team grows, you're gaining more exposure in the community. You're gaining all. So it becomes this huge win-win. So the new buyer's agents that are, that are now out in the public, they're, they're visiting, they're, they're networking, they're prospecting, they're bringing branding information to the client which in turn creates the buy side. Most people have to sell something. So either it's a referral in another state, but maybe it's local. So now you're putting more signs in the yard. It becomes this wonderful whirlwind of activity that just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So don't be afraid of the, of the process. So that, that's another question. Is So when I'm on a listing, let's say I've got a buyer's agent. We get a lead that comes in off of Commissions Inc. or Realtor.com or wherever the lead comes in. And all of a sudden, that lead, well, you know, our buyer's agent goes out there and identifies that, hey, this person also has a house to sell. So the buyer's agent comes back and a lot of times they'll say, hey, I want to be the one to list the house. So guys, I'm going to ask all of you, just rapid fire. I want to know from each one of you, do you let that buyer's agent go list the house or do you send a listing agent or do you go? Rick? Um, we send a listing agent to the mastery. It's all about that person's skill sets being better than that particular client. And the conversation is just real simple. I buy, they sell. There you go. Bjorkman. Yeah, I think that our team's done a little bit differently. We have uh, agents on our team with the skill set to go and list a property, um, but we have different programs. Some of them are over to turn it over to us, Tammy and I, and some of them are not to. Uh, it just depends on their level of ability. And and I don't have a problem saying that because for years we'd have buyer's agents going, oh, I'm going to sell them a house. I'll just go put it on the market. And for whatever reason, a competitor would end up listing that. And it just, you know, it happened enough times where I said, look, being a listing agent is a lot different than a buyer's agent. So if it's their best friend, it's a slam dunk, maybe, you know, but they have to be pretty engaged, pretty trained and practice and role play religiously before I'll let them go out and list property. And that's just the way it has to be because listings are the name of the game. For every listing we get, we, we, we estimate we should get about five to seven buyers off that listing. So if they lose a listing, that's, you know, 35 grand out of somebody's pocket on just one side alone. And 
and it's not worth it to me. So they need they need to be on their A game. And uh, Tammy is absolutely amazing. She's just a, a duplicate of me. So you know, I can sleep at night uh, just, just a little bit longer. <laughs> but I, I can I can sleep at night knowing that she goes out and lists property with a vengeance, and she knows her scripts, knows her dialogues, and she's practiced side by side with me for years. So uh, that's that's my comfort level. Dude, I, as, as, as Rick and I are sitting here, we're hearing you say Danny's a duplicate of me. We're both cracking up over here because we're like, no. She's not a duplicate of you. She's awesome. That's right. She's like Mike. She's awesome. <laughs> I hate you guys. Right, so, Brian, how about you? How do you handle those? So we have some listing agent. That listing agent is either me or one of the other listing agents that on our team. There are very, very few exceptions to that. If somebody's brother, sister, aunt, uncle, um, that would be a, that, those are some minor exceptions. But as a rule, I agree with Mike. Listings are the number one thing that I want. I don't want a buyer's agent who's been on two listing appointments in their entire life going out and trying to list a house. We end up because oftentimes what happens is Mike says he loses one side. I'm afraid I'm going to lose both. I'm afraid that someone else is going to go in there. Some other person is going to list their house and give them some sort of discount to work with them as a buyer's agent. I lose both sides. So, you know, we actually have our buyer's agents have a script that basically says, I want to have my listing specialist set up a time for you. And here's the other thing that, that I've really train them on doing. Set an appointment for me. Don't say, I'll have Brian call you or don't say, I'll have Brian get back with you or give Brian a call. Say, what day and time works good for you? Okay, 3 o'clock on Thursday looks great for you. Great. Brian will be at your house at 3 o'clock on Thursday. They don't know my schedule, but here's the thing. If I'm supposed to meet with somebody at 3 o'clock on Thursday, they'll take my phone call versus somebody I just say, okay, you know, Brian will give you a call. Because who knows why I'm calling? Maybe I'm calling to cancel. Maybe I'm calling to do something else. So it's one of the things that I really think is important. It's easy to cancel an appointment or move one. It's difficult to set one. So whenever that iron is hot, you strike, set the appointment. And if it doesn't fit on my schedule, I'll reschedule it. So I think that's a number one thing that we has helped us get more listing appointments than before. And, you know, for a while we were doing things like, well, Brian can set up a time. He can give you a CMA. Brian can do this. But no, Brian will be at your house at three o'clock on Thursday. Thursdays or, you know, what day works better for you, Thursday or Friday, whatever that close happens to be, but make the appointment. And I think that's the the number one rule in our team this year is make the appointment, no matter what it is. I don't care. The objection of uh, the the goal of every single conversation is to make an appointment. Um, if you have just a quick second, I wanted to go back to um, buyer's agents and one of the things that we haven't necessarily pointed out yet with two buyer's agents is that we can actually create better leverage for them. Um, we've talked about team and it creates a value that I can only be at one place at a time. So if I've got six buyer's agents on my team and one of them goes out of town, they can actually go and one of the other five buyer's agents can actually go show property for them. Or, you know, if you can't show two properties at once, I'm, I'm good, but I can't be in two places at once. So I think that's another thing that we really can focus on is it creates a leverage for you in your business and a benefit for your buyer's agents. Like Mike said, most people are talking to five, six, seven agents today. What what do you offer me that's different? Well, one of the things that I offer you is that one of our agents will always be available to you. So that's a, a just a great benefit, and it kind of creates an amazing win-win for the client and for the buyer's agents. 
Well, and here's what people need to understand. And, and you guys, all due respect to the agent that plans on being the Lone Ranger the rest of their career. I get it. I, I feel for you guys. I, I know that there's agents out there that just don't want to build the team for whatever reason. Brittany Howard, I know, has been watching this. And uh, Brittany's a perfect example of this. When we first started coaching her, Brittany said, heck no, I'm never starting a team. There's no way I'm starting a team. I'm the Lone Ranger. I love what I do. I don't want to be responsible for people. I don't want to manage people. I don't want to deal with their drama, whatever. Brittany had a really hard time embracing building a team. And then guess what? All of a sudden, one day she had an epiphany. She embraced the whole team concept, and she crushed it. She not only quintupled her gross income and quadrupled her net income literally in one year. Right now, this year so far, so this is her, her really her, her second full year in the business is now starting. So in, in her first month of her second full year in business, she literally closed 22 transactions. That's insane. Now, here's what you guys need to understand. The reality is it's all going to teams. It is all going to teams. And more, uh, even bigger than that, it's going to mega teams and expansion teams. And here's the deal. It's going to get harder and harder and harder to survive as the Lone Ranger agent out there because what's happening is big teams are going into marketplaces. Let's talk about expansion teams. If I've got a team that's spending forty, fifty thousand dollars a month on a lead source like a realtor.com, for example, and we want to go into a market like your market, wherever your market happens to be, maybe we we want to go to that market and we say to the to realtor.com, hey, we're coming into market, uh, you know, let's say we're gonna say Long Beach, California, and we're gonna we, we're gonna buy out as many, you know, fifty thousand dollars in 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 spend with realtor.com. Well, realtor.com says, well, we do have a waiting list for agents on our marketplace. You know, we got about 18 agents waiting for those zip codes you want. But since you're going to spend $50,000, we'll go ahead and not only we'll put you at the top of the waiting list, we'll bump a couple agents out that don't spend a lot with us, and we'll give you their leads too. I mean, think about it. These guys are in business to make money, right? So these big teams are coming in, and they're taking over all the best lead sources in these areas, which is squeezing those little guys harder and harder and harder. Now, on today's mastermind call, we had Sunit Agarwal, who was teaching us about how to do Facebook ads, and not only that, but how to get free leads out of Facebook ads. Well, that's great, but again, if you're trying to go out and show houses, you're trying to go out and list houses, you're trying to make your follow-up calls, and now what? Now you got to be the, the, the marketing guy? Now you got to go out and post your own ads? So having a team helps you accomplish all of that in a way that is more impactful, that gets you more marketing out there faster. And now you've got people to go handle that so you can work on the business instead of working in the business. Yeah, and it's creating a life. That's what's really most important about it all. It's creating a life where you can, you can have time with your family and time with your clients, and, you, and the balance becomes a lot easier. Yeah. That's right. All right. So, so you guys, my phone's blowing up here. You need to hear it. So if you're the Lone Ranger right now, you need to think about one of two things. You either need to join a team or you need to build a team, right? And I'll tell you that there's a lot of value in joining a great team. Not everybody needs to be a team leader. If you just want to be a buyer's agent on a team and you go find a great team like Bjorkman's, like Rick's, like Brian's, you know, go find a great team and have them do all of the lead generation. Have them do all of the marketing. Have them do all the back-end support. Have them do everything, including all the expenses, so that all you've got to do is follow up with leads, go out and show them homes. And write contracts. Write contracts, hand it off, and you're done. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you repeat can, the process. Yeah, Pens. rinse and repeat. That's right, exactly. And you can make, what, you know, $150,000, $250,000 in most markets doing that while having a life. And no expense. And with zero expense, that's exactly right. Whereas if a team leader, and this is one of the things I think people forget. A lot of agents say, oh, I made $250,000 last year. 
Let's go through your PL. Let's talk about all the expenses you had. Whereas when a buyer's agent says, hey, I made $250,000 last year, they actually made $250,000. So, Mike and, and Brian, any thoughts? Um, no, I agree with all that. The, the My phone's just blowing up. Mike and Brian. Are you there? Hello, Brandon. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. We got to for all a right, second. So- so the phone's blowing up that people are we're not answering their questions what um, text messaging systems we're using. So we're we're obviously using um, follow up boss and sync on a very expensive level, but um, two of the smaller, less expensive texting platforms are Scipio, uh, which I really like. It's as low as like I think 150 bucks a month. And then I think Michael, you've used this in the past too. We're also using Text My List, and those are two that are very inexpensive that you could actually uh load up your database and start testing the texting and see how you like that and if you do like that then you could always move on to something much bigger and another one uh, Tara, Tara, if you could want to chime in on these i know tara's got a couple of good ones but uh we've used mighty text in the past tara what are the other ones we're using right now maybe she's not maybe she maybe her microphone's not live so all right anyway i know mighty text another good one so here's the thing. We've only got two minutes left. We got to wrap this up in two minutes. So in the final two minutes, I just want to hear rapid fire. Everybody's thoughts on overall on teams. What's your, what, what's your 30 second. Here's what I think about teams. Let's start with Bjorkman. Go. Uh, I'm going to say, if you're not building a team, you're going to be broke or out of the business in the next probably 24 months. Wow. That's fast. Okay, good. Brian. I'm going to say that building a team is, I agree, Mike's most important thing to do in 2017. The other thing I would say, if there's one mistake that I would go back to, is being a team leader is about leadership and not management. Too many people are worried about managing their people instead of leading their people. And what I mean by that is you have to contact them. You have to find out what's going on with them. You have to work with them. You have to show them. You have to coach them. It's not about harassment. It's not about management. So it's about leadership. And I think that's the number one thing where team leaders make mistakes and I'm, I'm guilty of it. So, you know, if you spot it, you got it. I've managed my people before and those people aren't on my team anymore. So lead, not manage. Awesome. Rick, you're up. So my, my thoughts are at specialization. The consumer is looking for specialization because they want someone that's going to know exactly what it's impossible to know all of the tricks, the trends through technology, but the consumer is also driving the direction towards teams because they want someone that's going to specialize, you know, going through a lot of medical situations, you know, you want to go to a specialist for whatever it may be, a knee, a hip, an eye, a, a, whatever that looks like. The consumer also is coming to real estate in that same manner. They're wanting someone that's going to take care of that particular needs. And they're not opposed to being handed off because they go to expensive hotels. They know someone's going to take their luggage at the door. They know they're going to have to go check in at the at the front desk. And someone else is going to carry their bags up. If they need room service, that's another phone call. There's 20, 20 buttons on a, on a hotel phone today for a reason because there's 20 specialists for the hotel. Same thing in the real estate industry. There's 20 specialists on a team that's going to knock the socks off the consumer. And they're going to keep coming back for that same level of experience. Yeah. Love it. I completely agree. All right. So here's my 30 seconds on teams. Bottom line is that teams uh, do it better. They do it faster. They do it at a higher level and they are absolutely taking over the marketplace. Right now we got just shy of a million real estate agents in the marketplace. I think we could see a, a huge reduction in the number of agents in the marketplace in the next, uh, I would say even just in the next five years, I think we could go from that close to million mark down to as low as 500, maybe even 300,000 real estate agents around the country. Let's even just say we get to 500,000 real estate agents. 
That means that half of the real estate agents in business today are going to be out of the business. And why? Because teams are going to capture more and more market share. And instead of doing one or two transactions a month, the average agent, or in fact, the average agent right now does 0.4 transactions per month. I think you're going to start seeing that average go up dramatically. The number of transactions will stay the same, but the agents will be doing more because they're on a team, they're leaner, they're meaner, and they're going to be doing anywhere from three, four, five, and some of them even be doing seven to 10 transactions a month per agent. So that's my prediction, folks. I appreciate you guys coming to Club Wealth TV. Mike Bjorkman, Brian Curtis, Rick Ranis, cannot thank you guys enough. You guys are world class. Love the value that you bring everybody. I appreciate all you guys typing your comments in the box, sharing this out to everybody. Don't forget about Listing Agent Bootcamp. And by the way, for those of you that would like to chat with one of us or one of our other coaches and have us just take a free look inside your business, we won't even charge you for it. No pitch. We would love to just take a look inside your business, find out what's working for you, what's not working for you, where you're at today, where you'd like to go. And we will literally do a full hour, one hour call, one-on-one with you to help you identify what do you need to do in the next 12 months so that you can double your income and work less at the same time. My name is Michael Hellickson I'm with Club Wealth. On behalf of everybody on the call, thank you guys so much. And remember, you are world class.